episode 19 of the Turfcast podcast tonight. RD joins me again to drink some Keystone, talk about some turf, you know, the general the general thing that happens around here. So if you're not driving or maybe possibly at work or whatever, then crack open that uh, that drink with us and enjoy. And if you're not, just simulate the motion and take a big swig of air and just know that it tastes good when it hits your lips. That's it. And that's exactly. all you can do. I've yeah. been impressed that there's been quite a few people who have written in with a question and at the end said, I've been enjoying the stones just like you guys. So we either created a movement or there was a lot of closet Keystone drinkers that just they were, I don't know why they shouldn't be ashamed, but I, that's what I think. I think we just, we, we brought people out of the closet for a good reason. And so for that, you know, just live your life, be, be your authentic Keystone drinking self. That's all we can ask of any of our, ourselves yep. really. Yep. So no shame. So tonight is Thursday and you're supposed to be on the Thursday, but what's going on with that? Uh, so, um, Matt Martin's son, his birthday is this evening. And so he is celebrating with, uh, his son and their daughter and his wife. And so, uh, we took it upon ourselves to just move the schedule. And I'm, I'll tell you what, I am super excited. Number one, that we got to fit this in because my nights have been busy. I've been out on the road, like a whole bunch. So when I get home and get the kids all taken care of and chat with the wife and have dinner and all that kind of stuff, the nighttime has been devoted to office work and, prepping for winter projects and for next year projects and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I wanted to take tonight to have the opportunity to, uh, to catch up. You know, we had miles on before and that was awesome that he agreed to come on. If you haven't listened to that episode, please take the time and do it. He's a hilarious dude. And I'm pretty sure we got him hooked. Like I'm pretty sure he was hooked already, but I, I think we, we drew, you know, the line in slowly there, Ryan. Yeah. You know, it's not right. Not quite time to pop. Right. And hook him, but I think I think we got to go in the right direction. The moment that he said that he just comes home from work every day and stands outside <laughs> for about ten minutes and just kind of gazes across the yard to see what he needs to do or what looks good, or I was like, oh, he's he's already there. We don't need to we don't need to push yeah, him. Yeah, the, there's there was no hard sell that was needed there, right? Like he's already in that Zen place. Like now it's just like how to get that one percent better and not take the ten percent or more backward step. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's no, it was cool. And so, um, it was interesting too talking about his, um, his climate a little bit because we don't often talk too much probably about the super northern climates and ones that have a a really short growing season. So that was, that was kind of interesting too. I agree. I mean, and that's one thing that, um, you know, we had a person on, on the show with Matt and, uh, Ray who was in that same boat, who was very, very, very far north. I think you even, you even knew it like right away where it was and everything like that. And we Graham Murray. Graham Murray. Yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, that the, the whole notion of the things you have to do in the fall and all that kind of stuff to a typical one, like don't really play out there. Like you have to do that much earlier, probably as soon as two months earlier than we would here in our climates, right. In the quote unquote lower Midwest. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's something that gets undersold, right? It's just the variances in weather. You know, we and I were talking right before the show is we had uh, almost three and a half inches of rain here, you know, between Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. And you had zero zilch, nada, and you could seed on the ground. I don't have a ton of seed projects out there right now, so I don't feel so bad. But uh, 
yeah, it's just you you really have to be in tune with not only the weather but the climate, right, that you're in. And so what is a rule of thumb or generally accepted or the norm, all this other stuff is you got to really find out if it applies to you, right? Mm-hmm. And so those tools, you know, the one tool that we used to figure that out um, pretty easily just on the growth curves was that climate appraisal model that you can find at Pace Turf. And I think... I don't know if Matt has one. I think it's just the nutrient removal on that piece, but the growth curves, I'll figure out the website and we can link it up in the show notes, but it just shows you kind of the model of growth and when you're at your peak and everything like that. And in, uh, in those climates, it's like a dead flat line at the, at the highest point, like all summer long from middle of June until yeah. middle of August. Yep. Right. And so uh, we don't have, they don't have that quote unquote bimodal growth right that we have where it peaks in the summer or excuse me it peaks in the spring falls in the summer and then peaks up again mm-hmm. in the fall time they just don't have that so well and then the but, other thing is they can have a year kind of like this year where hot, it can be a lot dry. warmer than it's supposed to be and so even though it's a shorter season if the middle of your summer is so dry and a lot warmer hot. than normal it's like you're just you're this year screwed <laughs> it, yeah I, yeah you you guys had a tough tough go of it out there in the plains, you know, the northern plains, and then all the way down to where you are. It's it's been a wild year. I mean, even here, I wouldn't say that it was a it was a fairly easy summer. I would say, you know, there's some stretches we had that were dry, but generally timely rains. Only got super super hot for uh, a couple of weeks there, a couple of different weeks in between each other. So, all I'm things getting, considered, I'm getting concerned that it's. Uh, maybe going back in a cycle of like towards the dust bowl era type of thing. <laughs> Honestly, that's about what it's like right now. Well, it's a great thing that you just purchased 40 acres yeah. right in the center of the dust bowl. Yeah. So good thing. There's no, uh, I, I don't know what the uh, market price of grass is right now, but I'm going to say it's pretty close to zero. So you don't have to worry about, you know, raising crops and, and getting paid like that, but not being able to grow grass at your, uh, you know, turf farm with North family turf farms, it's it's not going to look good. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, my wife good. and I were talking about when the you know when the move is going to happen. When are we going to do this and that? And I just I told her yesterday I was like, if these plots don't <laughs> do anything for me, then we sure as hell ain't moving because I'm screwed in in that way. Like I got to have something to do. So we'll see. I mean, I do have some water down by the plots now, so that's that's nice. But the rest of it is man, I don't know. I legitimately speaking the dust bowl i was nerding out on this like a couple weeks ago watching a documentary about it because i didn't remember exactly what had happened but small little fact there was that they were telling people back then that if you started to rip up the ground it would cause more rain to happen and so that made it worse yes but there, there again don't trust the people necessarily because hmm that's some bad info yeah, I I don't know. I, I think in situations like what you're faced with, and certainly it's been a tough few years, three, maybe even four years now, Pacific Northwest, you know, where you visited Oregon and saw all the seed farms and everything like that. And I'm sure they shared with you just yeah. how awful it has been for that, right? For them and growing the, the for seed production, you know, it, people talk about cycles and this and that. I, you know, I agree with that, but you just have to look at the, the, the management side of it, right? The, mm-hmm. the economics of seeds going to go up, right? 
corn prices are through the roof and farmers are using more fertilizer to jack jack those uh, crops up so they can get more you know yield fertilizer prices are going up not with notwithstanding the fact that you know there's already an increase uh, because of inflation because of uh, lack of production some of it you know uh, artificial and some of it not and so it, it's it's only going to get more difficult is what I'm trying to say is that, you know, if you think that, uh, you know, all these factors coming together of, of weather, of prices, of, uh, you know, restrictions on watering and oh, there's just, there's so much stuff that's making it more difficult. And I don't mean to like be bitching and complaining, right. It's just, we have to adapt. So what can we do and what can we have control over? And in some cases that means, maybe lowering our expectations a little bit. Some cases that means really getting serious about cultivar selection and backing down, like how much fertilizer do we actually need? Mm -hmm. Right. So there's, there's a lot that's going to go into what do we do next? Where do we go from here? But I'm sure you're going to get the North family turf farm off the ground. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Well, one way or the other, I will get it. I will get it going because I never give up on those things. You know how that goes, but Uh, yeah, yes. You are a stubborn son of a bitch, but the best kind of stubborn son of a bitch. Yeah. And that's why we love you. That's why we love you. Yeah. I was out there today seeding my six test plots that I have ready. So I've got six different things going on there and uh, about 500 square foot for each section okay. right now and then i figure later on i can either cut those down and you know make some more out of those sections or i can continue i have plenty of space it turns out but are you uh are you at liberty to divulge what you put in there is that coming in a forthcoming video no i can i can there's only one thing that i'm not telling people and that one i'm just leaving as a secret for a while oh so I'm going to let people guess that one later on once it's all growing. But the rest of them are just the, you know, the general stuff. So it's ryegrass. It's my bluegrass ryegrass mix. Then it's okay. all tall fescue and then a tall fescue bluegrass and then a 100% hmm. bluegrass. Nice. So the bluegrass no, stuff, you- I... I'm just basically saying right now it's probably not going to do anything because it's September 23rd today and uh, who knows, but you know what? I had this conversation the other day with a side grower here in Ohio and you know, I was talking about different things that he was going to have ready because we're planning out projects and trying to pick out which side field we're going to cut from and what's, you know, what cultivars that we have access to and things like that. And uh, you know, he told me he had this one field that I saw, about 11 months ago, it was right at the end of October and he had just seeded it. Like it was just starting to come up. It's all bluegrass and it's just starting to come up. And so I said, Hey, you know, what about that first field that we looked at, you know, last year, you know, this is before we looked at the seeded one and he's like, Oh yeah. Like that thing's just not ready. And I was like, dude, you seeded that almost six weeks ahead of this other one. And it looked pretty darn good. You know? And he's like, yeah, but you know, we had, we caught a dry stretch there in between that. And then I seeded this other field, you know, so it kind of got hung back for a little bit. So this other field that he'd seeded again, like probably late October 20th or so of October, it's ready for harvest in the September one that he seeded isn't like, it's just the way the weather broke when the seed, you know, got up and he mm-hmm. was in that sprout and pat stage, didn't get any water. Right. Whereas the stuff in October got plenty of water pretty much all the way through. Right. And now here it is 11 months later, they're harvesting it. 
They yep. should and they should harvest it in, you know, eleven is probably the minimum, but twelve or thirteen months max is ideal. So it's just it's a crapshoot. And especially on, and this is all unirrigated too. There's no irrigation on any of these fields. So you don't know. I mean, you, you gotta No, I don't, because it's supposed to be stay, it's supposed to be ninety on Monday. So it's like I'm seeing this thing. I, I've I've read this thing now from like several different private meteorologists that have said that it's about October 12th, 13th that there's going to be this front that comes through. And basically after that, there'll be no more heat. very little chance. Yeah. Very little chance that we'll have any, any like appreciable high temperatures, meaning like mm-hmm. at that point, you know, 85 plus or something like that. So yep. count down the days here, you know, uh, tonight's the, the 23rd. So you got, you know, two and a half, three weeks. Keep the faith. The tough part has been that we've been having our typical fall weather in terms of, well, not quite typical, but a little above average temperatures, but the humidity has gone away. So that's actually not helping me much at this point, considering every day I'm losing a lot of moisture that I already didn't have to begin with. But I'm, I'm going to show a little bit of my weather morbidity here. This morning when I walked outside, it was 47 degrees. Mm-hmm. It was drizzling. It was overcast, low ceiling. It was windy. And I'll tell you what, I could have taken all my clothes off and run around and done a snow angel in the grass because I love that weather. Yeah, it's can't, nice. Can't, can't get enough of it. Can't get enough of it. So It's been cool yeah. here in the mornings too, uh, like mid-40s, but it's just during the day it's getting up to 80 and a little bit windy and then there's no humidity. So that kind of burns things off pretty quickly at that point. Yeah, and you know you might see... But on your established stuff, you might see, you know, this is prime time, even with the, the lack of humidity, prime time for, you know, fall dollar spot season and things like that. So if you do have turf that is, uh, you know, a little bit lower on the inside, be wary of that. I've seen a lot of uh, rust in some, uh, mm-hmm. some of the stuff that's less well taken care of. So definitely that time where, you know, it's easy to let off the gas, but you still have to, you know, kind of nurse the stuff along for these next six to eight weeks get to the finish line and put her to bed yep so who knows you could have you could have a fantastic stand of grass so so all your these are all your blends correct that you yep. put in the ground yep and nice. then i forgot to to tell you that i do i did the oh, shade no. area as well so i did some fine fescue work i was going to ask about fine fescue so yep. is this like back in the trees then essentially or what's up yep yep nice there's an area that's back in the trees that just has kind of near our creek there's just a general flat section that is pretty Mm -hmm. it does have some filtered light but for the most part all day it's like filtered there's not a whole lot of direct sunlight to it so i'm just kind of curious to see what's going to happen with it there's some leaves falling down already on it right now so that's kind of the difficult part of this stage of yeah yeah so i don't really anticipate it'll be that great until i can work on it again next spring but that one's been one that I've been interested in for a while because I've just never had shade of any kind. What uh, did you pick a specific um, uh, type of, of fine fescue? Like, y- is it a yeah? There's um, let me look and see. I can get you the tag otherwise, but it's got three different. So it's got a it's got a chewings hard, uh, and then there's one other one in there too, and then a small amount of ryegrass thrown okay. in and then a very small amount of bluegrass interesting so this is like uh 
I see this marketed as like sometimes sun and shade. Sometimes uh, there's a there's a place around here that calls it their survivor mix, or their and another place calls it their finest mix. Yeah. You know, so you know, thing like finest textured mix. So yeah, that'll be interesting. I think that should be. I'm always curious on you know what they're doing, and you're you gotta. That'd be a good uh, collaboration. Get your uh, guys and gals from UMN, yeah, in, in on a uh, fine fescue video, and just we can chat them up and talk about it. I'm curious to to know more about that. Actually, we I think that's something we should do for sure because I want to learn more about it. Like I'm I'm dead serious. Like because you know it, it's always seen as this like bastard grass that can't really do anything, and then they've they've really. You know, both with their breeding program and with them just trying to refine the best practices and teach people like, hey, this is how you take care of it. It's not like other cool season grasses, right? It, it's it's a yep. poverty grass. It doesn't need as much of anything, really. Um, you got to be a little bit more careful. With I the, think from their, last, all that. from their last field day, which one of our uh, members in the Discord, I think, went to yes. up in the Twin Cities, he was talking about that they've really come to a point where there's a few of them that they've been testing that they feel comfortable like recommending to people as like a standalone yard instead of going with a bluegrass in Minnesota again or like just the typical what has always been the standard in Minnesota, yep. which is very much bluegrass pretty much everywhere. Um, right. Yeah. So that, that is interesting. So I think it would be something that we would and the listeners would really get a lot out of because you're right. It's just it's not something talked about very much at this point. Let's talk about something that isn't talked about very much, and I don't know. What is the beer of choice in Minneapolis? Like, if I need to go get the quintessential Twin Cities beer, right, mm. what, am I, what am I getting? Oh, you know, if I go to Chicago, I'm getting an old style. If I go to, you know, Cleveland, I'm going to get a Stroh's. If I go to Cincinnati, I'm getting a Huda Pole. If I'm going to Pittsburgh, I'm getting an Iron City. Like, what do I, what do I have to look forward and hang my hat on? In the Twin Cities. Well, Is there anything see, that exists? I don't know if I can answer that question very well. I might get crucified because I'm not from the Twin Cities, and it's a very specific area. But I'm going to go with, if I think of Minnesota beer, I'm going to go with grain, grain Belt. Grain Belt? Why yeah. have I never heard of this beer? Is it like an old-style beer or what? Yeah. It's, uh, it's very similar to High Life. And oh yeah, that's that's gonna be a no for me, dog. I actually really like it, but oh, it's called it. the it's called the friendly beer. Mm-hmm. I've seen okay, I've seen this logo before, but I didn't know what it is. Grain Bell. Where can I get beer locator? Here we go. But to be honest, at the Gophers game, they had Grain Belt Northeast, which is like the yeah. amber style kind of okay. of it, and that was like what they had. So that is a Minnesota thing. I'm gonna see what the closest place that sells a sorry you aren't feeling near here yeah <laughs> damn it all well, right you're gonna have to visit and then we'll get some uh can you get it in des moines oh yes absolutely all right all right well all the more reason all the more reason to come out and do a you know do a uh couple day consulting visit on the uh mm-hmm. on the nor family turf farm that's it that's and i'm, I'm going to say something kind of blasphemous but i'm really looking oh, forward shit. to some of the non turf things that we're also going to be or some of the non turf grass but still grass things that i'm going to be doing in the future like some of those no mo natural testing oh, like a wild 
like a wildflower thing or like well an that grass and thing? and like there's a couple of mixes that I've found around here that sound kind of interesting where they're using some fescues that you know how a lot of golf courses have gone to some natural areas and things sure. like some of those mm-hmm. fescues that don't grow super tall but you don't mow it and that type of stuff where there's some yeah. other things mixed in and blue fescue sheep's fescue yeah those yeah. are those are those are what you know, a lynx mix mm-hmm. is is generally what those are called but yeah i think it'd be kind of cool the one thing that becomes a real big challenge in keeping those clean is that it does take a lot of herbicide some hand pulling stuff like that so to keep them clean that's the one thing that those guys will tell you and here's the best part like 12 year old me would be all about this but you know i know the best thing to do to take care of all that burn it oh yeah yep burn it burning is so yeah like yeah i'm all about that if i yeah i can hear 12 year old or 12 year old me can hear beavis in my head right now fire fire <laughs> so i'm doing that and then i've also nerding out on tree stuff right now and trying to learn a lot about oh. forestry because i'm just one of those nerds so last night i was watching a uh just a little presentation from the iowa dnr about forestry and and our uh, state which no one thinks we have a lot of trees but we actually do so it's kind of interesting interesting what kind of like are you looking at like species diversity, like planting locations based on like yeah, I'm soil looking type, at, wet sites, dry sites, all that kind of stuff or what? I'm looking at kind of what we want to do to try to start planting some things and getting some stuff going tree-wise too because obviously it takes a long time to get that stuff going. But also with the woods area that we have that's kind of a lot of junk trees in there, I'm trying to get some sort of idea of what should we be thinking about doing with that so i'm going to give you a great idea right now okay this this one's free all right i'll actually i'll charge you one grain belt i think i'd like to go with the premium based on the information i'm seeing on my computer screen right now yes um that is go now and start trying one you want to start identifying nurseries right this is just like grass seed like totally just like grass seed start identifying nurseries that are good in your area, right? Talking to them about what they have, looking at them, uh, looking at the plant material they have and trying to evaluate, hey, where's the best place to buy from? Getting some second opinions. So uh, calling, you know, our friend Rick, who we've talked about before, calling other people, right, that are in that market. So do your homework there. Mm -hmm. The second thing I would tell you too is with the water access that you now have, get yourself set up so that nearby there and maybe nearby the turf plots somewhere, is set up a tree nursery now. So if you find stuff that you like and you know for sure you're going to plant someday, you just don't know where yet, get it in the ground on your property and get it growing. Because then in the future, let's just say it's a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, you go in and you have a tree company spade that bitch out and put it right in where you want it. And now it's three or four or five or six years older, right? Yep. More mature. Now it's going to be a little bit more difficult, a little bit more costly to transplant the order that they get. But you also have the upside of one you have the tree you want it's grown been growing in your soils you've nurtured it you've taken care of it to that point and then you just move it yeah so no that's great and as part of that dnr thing too which this is a lot of stuff that there's a ton of resources this isn't just related to forestry mm-hmm. but even to turf or all those things there's so many resources from your local either dnr or if you have a place like iowa state which we do yeah, like university has, extension. you know there's so many things that people don't realize there's even people 
in the forestry thing there, like there's a contact for every region and they will come actually do a site visit and say, this is what I think you should do to revitalize this or it needs to be cut down or it should, I mean, there's all these resources that people don't really use or know about. So, but I agree with that. And the other thing there is even if they're not going to invite them out to your property or anything like that, it's just make the connection, mm-hmm. right? Just, just network. Oh, Hey, yeah, there's the guy in whatever Dubuque, right? That, I talked to a few years ago about, you know, his, you know, fungus and his Kentucky blue wrestling. They will remember you. Yeah. I mean, they definitely will remember you and they, that's their job. Their job is to help residents of the state of Iowa, the state of Ohio, wherever it is, right. That has a land grant institution to fix or deal with or give, make recommendations, make recommendations on a specific set of agronomic problems, whether they're tree related, crop related, turf related, whatever. And I think it's an understood thing. Yeah. Great point. So, before we get too far off of turf, we will get back to that, but I want to leave you with one final useless fact that I learned in that presentation last night. I can't wait. That is that Iowa has arguably the best white oaks and black walnut trees on the entire planet. I swear, I shit you not. I shit you not. I had, um, what was this guy's name? Uh, it was Art. I can't remember his last name. Art was my... Um, woody ornamentals teacher in college and this dude was so wicked smart like knew every tree i mean we just literally walk around this 90 acre arterium and he would just be walking around he'd look up and be like number one what and you just got to figure it out and you'd be like yeah there's no leaves on that tree and he's like yeah you can do it don't worry about it (laughs) what like seriously he was like the gunnery sergeant hartman from full metal jacket of trees like he did not fuck around what one bit but he did say, you know, I, I, we got this one day we were talking about tree stock. It's what made me think of the nursery stuff and all that. And Tennessee has like a ton of nurseries. And so mm-hmm. I think somebody said one day, like, well, Tennessee must be, you know, have really nice trees if that's where they grow nurseries. And he's like, bullshit. He's like, he gets, he got so offended. He was like, Tennessee is like the Columbia. What do they say? Trees in Tennessee are like cocaine in Columbia. They just come <laughs> from everywhere and it's not good for anybody. And we're like, oh, and we're like, so what state has the best trees? Ohio, probably. He's like, no. And he says, Iowa. I yeah. swear to God, I, yeah. I can I can hear him saying it. And everybody was like, Iowa, like the fuck's in Iowa? Corn, like there's no trees out there. Mm-hmm. And he told, I remember he told, there's something else that they that they're uh, good for too. Shit, this guy's probably dead now. I mean, I'm sure of it. Between his chain smoking and his affinity for climbing <laughs> trees, there's a high. There's a high likelihood that this individual has passed away from something that was not natural causes. Um, so that's unfortunate. God, yeah. Oh, he was a good dude. I mean, yep. he, you learned in his class, but I remember that Iowa, like, and everybody was looking at each other like, is he, is he messing with us? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, he was dead serious. I mean, the guy didn't joke. That was the other thing. Like he had zero sense of humor. So yeah. No, there's but, some seriously nice oak like forest areas around here that I wish I would have had on our property, but unfortunately. Real quick, what's that area? Uh, I'm going to stay off topic for one second here. What is that area? It's like in, isn't it in like uh, northern Illinois, southern Minnesota, and it may go into Iowa a little bit. That's like this beautiful oh, yes, rolling. Yeah. What is that called? That's what called that uh, called? the Driftless. The what? The Driftless region driftless area oh wow okay that is one of the most beautiful places like region wise that i've ever been to 
I don't know if it was you that mentioned this to me or somebody else, but I I didn't I had no, no idea about this, right? So if you're listening at home, it's driftless, just like it sounds. D-R-I-F-T-L-E-S-S, area or region. I Somebody, I swear it was you, told me about this, and I looked it up, and I was like, dude, this is in yeah, you would upper never, Midwest? You would never think it, for and sure. And it's just where the glaciers missed, you mm-hmm. know? Like, mm-hmm. the glaciers didn't flatten it out, so it's all kind of the natural. And it's the same thing. We have something similar here in Ohio called Hawking Hills, which is southeast portion of ohio where the glacier didn't make it to and it's very very similar like all these beautiful rolling hills forest streams waterfalls like all that kind of stuff so no when we were when we were looking for land we were dead set on moving to somewhere in that region but just oh there's gotta be unfortunately there's not a lot of bigger cities slash towns around there so it's hard to find like a spot that where you have everything but uh, yeah, it, it's just one of those areas. But you could have, dude, you could, uh, so, hey, so, listen, someday, right? Hear, hear me out. Yeah. Hear me out. The 40 acres, you know, that you just bought, that becomes the high-end sod farm here. This is like your 10-year plan. Kelsey, if you're listening, you're muffs. Uh, and then, then you build the tourist attraction in the Driftless area, right? That just says, you know, I, I can see this big, like, sign on the side of the road that just says, best turf in the driftless area come see you know five dollars a carload or something like that <laughs> that that's no. the that's the retirement you're plan, always right? so full of these great ideas i don't know why i don't just take you around all day long and just say ryan <laughs> what what should i do about this big neon sign that says instead of girls 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 it says turf 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 <laughs> instead of uh, instead of live nudes it says live <laughs> turf <laughs> that'd be good don't spank that ass. Come see this grass. Ryan North Turf Farms. There you go. See, I'm telling you. Oh, God. We are right, really so, off topic here. No, so. no, no. It's all good. It's all good. All right. So, uh, the, the the plots sound cool. Interesting. I, I enjoyed the video here, the most recent video of all the prep that went into that. And I hope that people realize like how how much that had to suck. I've just, I know the ma- you had the mask on and everything like that, but Dude, you're just covered in yeah. mud and not mud, but dust, you know. Well, dirt, and it sounds like a fun idea until you go start on like three <laughs> acres and you're using and you're a on the 70, third pass. You're like a, using <laughs> you're a like, seventy-two inch wide piece of machinery and you're like, Jesus, this is going to take me like all day. And it did, but Hey, it's done now, right? And now you've got thirty seven other acres to figure out. So good yeah. luck. But it was one of those deals. I I will not complain because being outside in that fresh air with no one bothering you, just seeing the scenery all around. It's got to be peaceful. Nothing else like it. That's got to feel good on your own, on your own land. Yep. So, so what, what have you been doing with your, uh, your, your fields? Oh man. Um, well, they're using the hell out of them. That's good. That's the that's what they're there for. So, um, let's see. I'm trying to remember the last time we talked. So they we played on the Iron Cutter field at day seventy. So it was ten weeks of the day. Played on that one, and actually it was it was kind of cool. The uh, athletic director there and uh, some of the school administration they invited me out, and I got to go out there with a couple friends on the field, a couple turf guys, and we just watched the game. And, you know, every time a kid made a cut, you know, it was like holding my breath, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like a parent would for their kid to like score the big touchdown. But I was just like, 
all right, Jesus, just let this kid put his foot in the ground, plant and get upfield. Like, you know, no one seemed to be slipping or falling or acting like they're on skates and every time it did great. So it was, it was, it was kind of cool to see that. And then were they still freaking nope. out at any point in terms of the sprigging part and how quickly or not quickly it was filling in or how was that? No, at no point did anybody, I mean, there was, oh, I take that back. There was like, uh, there was a couple points where we just had a couple like, like, Hey, where are we right now? Not like, freaking out but more of just like are we on track right and for the most part everybody was was pretty good about it you know it's it's different every place you go when you do that because they've never seen it up here done before you know so like people from the other school you know in the same district would come up and be like oh yeah it looks great like you should be fine you know meanwhile the people at that school that had never seen it before are like oh shit like are you like are you sure i'm like yeah i'm sure we're yeah, fine. Yeah. You know? So it's just that whole experience of having gone through it. I mean, just like you, like if you did a grow in for somebody, you know, on their yard or whatever, I mean, same thing. It's just managing expectations. So, but it was, you know, it, it played well. I was really happy with it. Um, and we had a guy, um, Will Schnell, who used to be the groundskeeper at uh, the Rose Bowl for, gosh, 25 plus years. Great dude. He now works for, Mountain View Seed, which licenses Iron Cutter. Um, he was up last week passing through uh, on his way to uh, do some NFL stuff and stopped by and just, you know, we chatted each other up and we're talking about in the grass and what he's seen and different sod growers around the country that are growing it because that's really his job is just like basically quality control. Mm-hmm. And so he had some good things to say. It was right, nice to hear from him and, you know, get some good feedback and then just some things that he's seen around the country that have worked really well you know so he was talking about how they've got a couple growers that um have dabbled in some of the other you know high-end cultivars like northbridge or lot 36 and some tahoma and things like that and they just said that you know comparatively speaking this stuff loves to get verticut and really really beat up and so i'm looking forward to the cultural practice calendar for next year i think we'll be extra aggressive with it more so than we even are with the Tahoma and just kind of do some, do some testing, right. Just see, you know, if we do X and Y, do we get Z result? If we do, you know, X, Y, and Z, do we get, you know, a result, whatever, and kind of figure out what the, you know, the limits are for one and for two, what the, you know, the happy medium is. So do you have a uh, ryegrass on it now? There's ryegrass on there. And then we just, we did, uh, a first app, first round at, oh boy, what was that? About nine pounds per thousand. And we'll do another one at about the same rate here. Um, probably this coming week. We would have done it this week with all the rain. We didn't want seed floating and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So, but. So, how many yeah. games were on it before you started, Rye? Uh, well, let's see here. On the Iron Cutter field, we actually we put it out a week before they played just because we were supposed to have really favorable weather like it was supposed to be like 80 and 63 you know all week and then of course you know we put it out and literally that's when the forecast changed and it was no no shit like 95 and 75 that entire week yeah um so we you know we put subdue out there we put um ephanoxum out there put a bunch of other stuff just trying to you know hopefully keep it at bay and from what i've seen you know it's i haven't been out there in about 10 days i need to go i'll be out there tomorrow and take a look at it 
you know, it seemed like we had a pretty decent catch considering the weather. And uh, but the Tahoma field, we haven't put anything on yet. So that'll be this week or next. We'll do the first app out there. So it's not I, I, we went I thought we went too early last year and the, and the grass was just too, too thick, dense and still growing very vigorously or vigorously enough that it choked out the rye. And we need to not get an awesome catch. And so that's why I kind of want to go a little bit later here and see how we do. This is probably later than what most folks would go. But we also, the other thing that we have working against us at both sites is that, um, you know, they found that they can really use these fields a lot more than what they were used to, right? So they are using them and they're using them, you know, in most cases, three and four days a week. So trying to build in that window, you know, even if we had a seven day window to, uh, to grow in would be ideal, but they just can't support that in their schedule right now. So next year, I think some things will change. We got another field that's coming online at the one place, and then hopefully we're doing another field at the uh, other school. So have some ability to move games around and build some breaks in the schedule, and that'll help for sure. But so when you just start adding ryegrass, like let's say at this point, mm-hmm. what are you doing to the Bermuda to to prepare that? Anything like? cutting it lower or are you just putting it over top or what are you doing so in this case because we're in play right and we can't really do a ton to it and also a little bit leery of being uh of injuring it right with really really aggressive seeding practices so a couple things we've done we've taken um like this it's almost like uh what they use to drag in fields with but it's more like a rake Right, and we'll drag that across the Bermuda and cut it, right, just slightly lower. I'm talking like if we're if our normal height is three quarters of an inch, we'll go down to like, um, you know, 0.6. You know, not very much at all, but just open that canopy up just enough, right, um, by standing up the texture of the grass and mowing off excess leaf tissue, and then um, lowering the height just a little bit, and that'll help. Uh, other thing that we're doing too is typically right before we seed, we'll top dress too. So on a normal size football field, I shouldn't say normal size football field, normal size soccer field, but um, on a football field, that'll be roughly about 60 tons of sand. So that's like uh, a little over an eighth of an inch, closer to three sixteenths. So just enough to create a little bit of a seed bed. And then we're just going right into that using... Um, well, I don't know if you saw it on your vent track, but the like the aerator attachment, mm-hmm. that's simple, that, that kind of setup, and that works really, really well. I like that for overseeding into Bermuda and bare ground seeding. That's a really good tool for that. Interseeding into like tall, cool season, eh, not so much, but yeah, does someone, a really good job. Someone asked me, they're like, can you use that? Uh, can you get the aerator and uh, try that out on some of your plots? And I was like, I would love to, but I don't have the machine. So <laughs> that, no, that, no shit, that attachment's like, Almost ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't doubt own. it. It's 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 legit. Yep. So yeah, so we'll do all that, and it's you know that's one thing I'm still trying to feel out. And the thing is, you only get one shot really, or one six week window to really do it in. So I can't say I've had enough experience yet to really work out all the kinks. Right. I th- ideally, and this is what I think we'll shoot for next year is that you know they're. They can be home the first two weeks, and we'll probably try and put them both on the road the third week of the season, which lines up with about Labor Day. And so we would go in right behind that second week. So like the Saturday before the Labor Day weekend, we'd see then, and we'd basically have 
almost two weeks with no play, mm-hmm. right? Or very minimal play. And that, that I think would be the window to try and get it done in. So I think that's what we'll shoot for next year. The one field, it'll be nice um, that the home field, it'll be football only next year. So I don't think we're going to oversee that. I actually think we're going to probably phrase mo that this coming summer uh, just to kind of even, th- even some things up a little bit, take out a little bit of um, organic in the upper part of the sand cap and then top dress the hell out of it and re-sprig it at a very light rate. And uh, yeah, that field will be nice without having it. It's, it's night and day difference on the uh, overseeded versus the not overseed, just in terms of how dense the Bermuda is and how healthy yeah. it is and all that kind of stuff. So these kids just don't know how good they have it. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you, that was probably the coolest part was we, um, they got to go out and do their walkthrough on it like the day before the game on that new field. And so, you know, I was out there just to answer any of the coaches' questions. The soccer team comes out and it was kind of funny. The, the soccer team comes out and the kids are kicking the ball and they're used to playing on like two and a half or two and three quarter inch Kentucky bluegrass, right? Mm-hmm. That's what their field was before. And so they're kicking the ball at each other. And when the ball goes past them, like if they, if they miss a pass or whatever, the ball's rolling all the way across the field, off the field, onto the track, all the way to the bleachers and like under the bleachers. And it was just, it was a lot different than what they were used to. But uh, these football kids were just like over the moon. Like they, like you could tell it was like Christmas morning to them. And so that's always the cool part to see is just that it's going to get, you know, used for what it's intended for. Right. And it's given them, a good safe field to play. I mean, it sounds corny and all that stuff, but it's true. I, I just, I really enjoy that part of it. So I'm glad they got to do it and on to the next one. Right. So I have That's a question being a ryegrass connoisseur as oh, I am, boy. Um, what do you do at all? Or do you not really do anything, but you know, when ryegrass comes in, it, it grows really fast and really well right away. But a lot of times it kind of, at the beginning, it doesn't have a lot of great color to it, or it kind of just looks, I don't know, it's a, it's a little limey in a way. Is there anything you kind of do to push it along quickly at the beginning or just kind of deal with it as is? No, I just deal with it as is. I mean, um, I've never, you know, even on the golf course when we used all ryegrass on our, you know, we had a bent grass range tee, but we would overseed our divots with rye just because we really didn't care. We just wanted green grass there. And so I did get pretty good at I really should go back and look at my notes and all that stuff because it's not quite, you know, Bermuda is not bent grass and bent grass isn't Bermuda, but still an aggressive stoloniferous grass that you're trying to grow back into. And, um, you know, even in those situations, we did a lot of what I now consider stupid stuff, like trying to portion along, trying to force growth and, you know, playing with plant hormones and seaweed extract and everything like that. And I'm not dogging those products. I'm just saying for the particular purpose of what we were trying to do is it was dumb because, you know, we would have these areas that we wouldn't treat, you know, just to treat, just as untreated checks. And you'd come back and look at those, you know, eight weeks later, you know, after you made your initial treatment. So it'd be like three weeks after it's up, you know, that phase where it's like, Hey, it's up and I'm excited and this looks awesome. And I think yeah. this is really going to do well. And then you're like, all right, I really want to force the issue. Yep. I'm and you about, go do stuff. I'm about it. there right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you and so we would come back to the we we treat these things and we'd have an untreated check and we'd come back, like I said, six, eight weeks later, and the untreated check like almost always looked better. Like I swear to I swear to you. I, I, I don't know if I still have my photos and I hope I can find my notes, but like 
all yeah, the time. I mean, it would I, just be like, I look at my pictures, I go back every year because I get so pissed that as soon as I get to the best part of the season, like when things really just start to cool down is when you have to do your renovation work. So there's that period of time where you're wishing, like I only have this little bit amount of time to enjoy my lawn in the fall and that's when it's growing in again. And you're <laughs> like, well, it looks good, but it's not what it looks like when it's great. You know what I mean? And get it. I get it. And I'm, I'm, it was always funny because like we would take, <laughs> I can't remember this one time. So there was a sales rep that like gave us this product and they're like, Oh, this man, like this is going to really like kick it in the ass. It's going to get it going. And this guy was a good guy. Like he, he wasn't a piece of shit or anything like that. So don't, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, but so, you know, he was, he was really talking up his product and, so we go up there, I think it was like six weeks later. I've got it all plotted out. You know, I've got six by six squares out there. And uh, so we're walking along and, and I'm like, okay, so like, here's the two randomized blocks of yours. And he, so he walks over to the, the two untreated check blocks and he's like, wow, whose product is this? And I'm like, oh, that's uh, urea, water, sun, and mowing. <laughs> and he was just like what how could this be and i'm just like ah, you just don't force mother nature dude like yeah it's ryegrass this shit will take care of itself just give it a little bit of time it's almost like in in you know in a way it's like bermuda when you're going in bermuda from sprigs is like there's this like innate need like and i really this time because we were on a compressed time schedule i really was trying to pulling my pull my own reins back of like you know it's going to be fine you know it's going to grow in right but there were still times where it was like oh i just got to feel like i gotta do something it's like no just let this stuff do its thing yeah and it, you know it worked out fine and i think it's the same thing with ryegrass is growing in grass and having a perfect perfect stand of grass in four weeks or something like that it's not impossible but it's also four not. weeks i'm on like day 16 and i'm like hey how come I want this to be back to exactly like it was last May? You know, it's like, so now, now I shoot for that though. More like in my head, I'm like, fall is good, but the sunlight is already, we're losing so much light, all, especially because my house blocks it during the afternoon now too, that I'm just like, uh, it'll get looking decent by like Halloween and then it just is like done. But then next spring, I have to look forward to those days because that's usually when it looks the best, but who knows? I might not live here and then I'll really be pissed. <laughs> hey, you don't have to worry about that on the sticks. The one thing I'm curious about too, with your plots is how exposed are they to like wind? Like, are you worried about like wind burn and desiccation um, over the winter time at all? Are you going to cover them? I'm thinking about covering them. What are the, so they're 500 square feet. So what are they like? So there's three 20 by 20 by 40 or something or not 20 by 30 by 15 30 by 15 i think so let's see i'm gonna guess and we have a little bit of natural block there in a way because there's there's a little kind of marshy area up on the one north side that kind of blocks the plots but then the corn is coming out too which is going to leave that open in some ways Maybe just get some smaller covers and do it. I did, uh, I think I got 10 by 10s of the uh, permeable ones, you know, so, mm -hmm. 
and those were I want to say like 80 bucks a piece. I mean, it was a little bit more expensive for a smaller custom cut one, but just buy like six of those and throw them out there in a 10 by 10 in each plot and see what happens. Maybe. Yeah. Or I could, I mean, I could maybe get a larger one that kind of just goes over the whole thing, maybe. Oh, boy. No, you don't want to do that. Okay. You don't want, you don't want to do that. Because if the wind catches that and makes it sail to the creek and you're... There's you're, no creek there, though. How close? So if the wind was blowing out of the west, where would it end up? If it, like was, in the, if it was blowing out of the west, it would end up right against my fence line uh, along the driveway, basically. And it was blown out of the north, where would it end up? Same. Probably up against my shipping container. <laughs> I'd strongly recommend not doing the big one. It sucks. Like we had, uh, this was two winters ago, and we had a full field covered. Uh, this was at a park. And we had this like, you know, so there's a wind, a natural windbreak of trees on the west side. It's like, It had a really good windbreak. There's apartments on two sides of it, like a, a very small park in a dense neighborhood. And we had put um, full field cover. So this, these were six sheets that were 240 feet like long across the field and I think like 60 feet. Well, I know, but I'm talking wide. about full field for me would be like 3,000 square feet if I did. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that when you get a big boy like that, like yeah. it's just all like it, it's all going if it goes. So. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Start small. Okay. Scale up. I will trust happy. your advice. You'll, you'll be happier for it. You'll be happier for it. Yeah, but no, I, I actually was thinking about that because I would kind of like to do the street section, the little small street section out at my house as a test too. That little, it's been one thing that people have asked me before is like, do you get a lot of crap on there or salt or things? And they don't use much salt in the town that I live in, so I've never really had too much of a problem with that. But there's a ton of debris that gets dumped on there and it's usually the longest, you know, all the piles from the driveway snow wise get stuck on that section. So I was kind of thinking about trying something there, but hmm. I don't know if it's worth it or not. A tree strip condom. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. You don't want, you don't want, you don't want the heebie jeebies getting on your tree lawn. That's bad. Mm-hmm. So, well, you won't have to worry about that soon. I mean, you probably just have like a ditch out in front of the new place, right? Yeah. Yep. There's a ditch. You just got to keep the ditch clean. So that should be fine. That should be fine. So now, I mean, that's just the winter thing always is interesting of, I know out there, you know, it's a little bit different game than what we have here, you know, with the winds and it could be open and dry and cold and yeah, it can, windy and all that kind of stuff. It's typically been that way a lot the last few years where we don't have a lot of snow. It's still cold as hell and there's a lot of wind. So When was it? Was When did you make the video that you were watering in the winter? Was that last winter or was that two winters ago? Um, two, maybe? I think it was two, yeah, because people were like, what are you doing, man? Are you Yo, crazy yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah. I was you like, got a fucking dart in your neck. It was really dry, really dry. And right now, if any, it's any indication, it's going to be exactly the same this year. So, yeah. Hey, you don't know that, all right? I do. There's no you're all, you're, you're, hope. This, hey, the this, pessimist this, Ryan is here. I was going to say. I was going to say this. This is the Ryan I know. Though there were several episodes here where I was getting concerned that you know this this golden boy had taken over your body but this right here 
This is the guy. I know. I'm, I'm glad hey, to see you're still here with us. I've come back. I've come back from the dead. Fame has not changed you, sir, and it will <laughs> never change you. All right. So, um, I don't know. So the um, the other thing over here that um, getting ready to play around with this, and I know that we've got some people in our one of our Discord friends that's a big user of it, but. Um, gonna pull the trigger on a it's gonna have to be a late seating because i have to and then also going to intercede pro vista into existing bluegrass to see what happens so i have a client that uh, it was one of those things where i wasn't for it but i wasn't against it and you know the guy's got the money to try whatever he wants and so it was like okay let's see what we can do here so we're gonna do um, some bare ground. I've got a little tiny bit of seed left over from a pro- from some pots that we put out, and so we're gonna try a, a tiny bit of bare ground late, and then also um, interseeded into existing. Now, what, what by by late? I have two questions. One is by late. What do you mean? And then two on the interseeding part. I want to know kind of what the existing grass looks like in terms of density, et cetera, and, and that type of thing. But on the first question. So the first question late is probably a week after next. Okay. Or maybe next week. So like first, first week or so of October. Um, the existing grass is exquisite. It, it lacks for nothing in is very thick very dense it's um what is it midnight everest jackpot and i can't remember the fourth one so it was sodded in your experience how do you think that's gonna the interceding part is gonna work out um if i do what i'm gonna do to it i hope it works out pretty well and the good news is i'll be able to tell you how good it works here probably come like may of next year so are you going to share what you're going to do to it as a surprise oh no i'll i'll share i don't i i i know i said i was going to record a bunch of stuff this year i haven't i just (laughs) i don't know how i'll I'll be honest like i've tried i have no idea how you do it i really don't believe me there are days how i don't know how i do it i'm serious like there's times i'm doing this and i'm just like you know ready to throw it's like um you know when you watch pro golfers like you go out there and you hit a shot and you're just like motherfucking god like you just start going off and you're just like you know phil mickelson steps up there and you know hits the ball from the same spot using like a pitching wedge from like 180 and he sticks it to like three feet and you're like this motherfucker like are you serious like i could how come i can't do that the same thing so um what you're saying is it's not as easy as it looks folks oh it's it's uh devastatingly uh humbling right no so, no to be honest it, it is i would say i don't know if i'd say it's easy but it's it's not that difficult it's the time commitment that it takes like where you're about to do something like you just said you're about to like today i'm working on these plots and i get my spreader and i get it filled up and i'm doing this and i'm about to start and then i'm like oh shit I don't have my camera going. I don't have it on like the right angle and all. So then I have to stop and then I have to go get the camera and then I have to move it. And then I do one pass and then I stop, I move the camera again. Like there's those things after a while, they do get kind of maddening. 
honestly, where you're just like, I would like to do this work and I would like to not have the camera going. But I think once you're saying is once we get your house, once you get your house built right on the new property, you need to convince MTV to just come in and do real world, which is you, your wife, the dogs and the grass, and they'll just have a, a camera crew there the whole time. No, that would you know? actually be interesting. You not, can go not to do com- real world, but to do a day in the life of what I actually do with like, how to film this stuff and do all that stuff. Well, then you can, uh, but you could do, you can go into the confessional, right? And, you know, you're just one on one and be like, you know what? That Poe Anya, I hate that bitch. I can't stand her. I can't stand, I can't get rid of her either. She won't leave, right? I can't get rid of her. So that could be you. That could be you. I'm just saying. That would be um, in the confessional, but it wouldn't be Poe Anya. <laughs> I, I don't even know, what, know where you're going there, but okay. <laughs> So the um, so the prep, it's mode right now at like uh, two, is it probably two and a half, I think. By the way, I'll I'll, I'll share that with you later. Maybe we'll, we'll post a picture of it somewhere. But uh, getting a pretty sweet mower out there to try it from uh, try out from uh, your friends at John Deere. You'll enjoy it. Oh yeah, uh, I'll, I'll show you a picture when we do that tomorrow. Anyhow, um, so we will uh, probably about two or three days before we'll go out with a high rate of Primo. So the full rate, three quarters of an ounce per thousand or 33 ounces to the acre. We'll spray it, lock it down, and then come in two or three days later. And we'll scalp that down to probably like an inch or so. Oh, like that would far- be painful to see. No, it won't be. It's For progress, me, it dog. would be. It's progress. Just take it down. So we'll chop it all down and then we'll see two directions. I am a huge um, stickler, uh, whatever you want to call it. Like people have called me a lot of bad names because of how particular I get about the seating equipment that is used for different, you know, cultivars or different, not even different cultivars, just say different species. Um, You know, like ryegrass you could throw ryegrass out of a plane from 30,000 square feet and it'll grow, you know, but it was growing on top of my sand pile in my driveway this week, which I didn't yeah. even put, I didn't get any seed on there that I knew of. And obviously it was not really being watered very much. There it is. It's crazy. It's an, it's an amazing plant. Yeah. Kentucky bluegrass, not so amazing. It really needs, you know, a good eighth of an inch of soil cover, right? It needs to have really good seed to soil contact, much smaller seed. So, um, the equipment that we'll be using there. I'm not sure if you've ever seen this, but it is a Veredo, V-R-E-D-O. So it's a cedar that comes from Italy. It's sold here in the States by a company called Aquatrolls is the okay. U.S. distributor of it. But basically the way it works, it's it's what they call a double disc, disc cedar. So imagine if you had these two like really fine tip discs that were in a V-shape. And they plow in, they cut in, and then right behind it, the seed drops in to that little V-shaped trough and goes literally like right in the trough. It does a very fantastic job of getting the seed in there and not around on the side, bridged over top of it, anything like that. So, you know, when you start to see this stuff come up, it's literally like rows, like perfect rows of seed. And it's nice because it'll follow the undulations of the ground more so than like if you get the old, you know, bullshit land pride slit cedar from the rental yard. You know, just your typical cedar, Ryan. You know, yes, just your typical. Yeah. So, what's the overall goal with 
trying to add this to the stand that you have? Um, I wish I had a good hypothesis for this. Um, this gentleman is very persistent in trying to do this, and I'm not thinking, I don't know that it will go swimmingly, right? That we'll have an awesome catch on this stuff and what that'll look like. I do believe that there'll be a period of ugly when you go to try and transition it. But because isn't the growth pattern on that a lot slower too? It's a lot slower. It's a lot lower. Like there's, there's a lot of things that would lead you to believe that it's not going to do very well. Right. In that scenario, but nobody's tried it, you know, and talking to the folks at Scott's, they're like, we don't think it's going to work very well, but nobody's tried it. <laughs> well, why not? Let's just do it anyway. Yeah. So it, it ought to be interesting to see how things go. Uh, and it's a small scale test. I mean, this is going to be in total, all of it together, like 500 square feet. Cause I don't have hardly any seat. Oh, but that's not bad. No. So I it'll thought be a good you were talking though. about like a larger, larger area where, Oh God. I mean, uh, I wouldn't put somebody through that. Yeah. Um, that's when I was yeah. talking about the scalp thing. I'm like, that would be painful because I kind of know what you're talking about in terms of some of those projects. If we were going to do that, like if we were going to scalp that big layer, I'd bring the phrase mower out and just be like two millimeters, which is at two millimeters, we'll still leave a lot of the existing plant material that's there. Yeah. And just we'd be down to close to dirt. Mm-hmm. Right. So big boy toys, you, you'll have, I, I promise you. You know, you will have a phrase mower in your future. I can see it now. There's so many. Yeah, who knows? Every day I come up with something else that I need. So, oh, Lord. Hey, you'll get there. You just have to have goals and, you know, keep working here. But I think um, there was somebody on Instagram who did, um, they have Bermuda grass, but they use the Harley Rake uh, on the vent track. And essentially did a poor man's phrase mo. Mm-hmm. And I saw the video. I think it was actually that person that shared it with me somehow. I, I'm not very good at Instagram. I, I will admit I'm the old man with time passing me by with that. I stick to, I stick to what I know on the social platforms. But anyhow, um, I was like, you know, this late, like this is probably a month ago. I was like, man, this is, this is really pushing it. And then they sent me a picture week and a half ago and it was probably 90 percent filled in i mean it looked well i never really thought good. about that that's kind of that's a unique thought with that tool it is i've tried something similar so the unirake is like this this tool that um it has a bunch of different tines on it that doesn't really remove i, I shouldn't say it doesn't remove it's imagine if you had a bunch of leaf rakes like all on one frame and it was just pulling through and kind of like leaving these lines right in the grass and standing up, being able to remove stuff. Let me see if I can find a good video of it for you. Unirake. Wiedemann makes one. Oh, here's a fantastic one. You're going to love this. (laughs) You will. Oh, wait, wait, wait. All right, I'll send this one to you. You're going to send me so, this video, and then I'm going to be like, well, I can't watch it right now, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> got to go put pants on or something, you know, if I'm going to watch this. Uh, oh, there's another one. It's a simple tool. It's, there is, it's absolutely fantastic for seed prep into 
existing turf, low cut or even high cut. Um, I've seen people in what you're going to see in the video. They're using this as a dethatching rake on Bermuda, right? So, an excellent tool. Every day you come up with something else that I need. I know. That's what I'm here it's for, It's legitimately right? I'm, like, I'm, well, you need I'm, this, Ryan. You need this. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm your enabler. Oh, here's another one. This one, Oh, this one's really good. Oh, this guy floors it and really just... <laughs> dude, he had... Listen, this guy hammers it and has black smoke pouring out of this deer tractor like he's really <laughs> pouring the cold of this thing and making it go you gotta watch this one <sighs> we'll put these in the in the in the notes in the show notes so you can take a look yourselves but it's it's like watching sex with grass it's pretty good <laughs> speaking of thinning i wanted to ask you a question oh about, i thought you were going wow i thought that we were going on a whole different tangent there good thank goodness yeah all right go I ahead i want to ask you a question about my fescue so as we know it was a shit show of epic proportions that day and so we don't know exactly what happened with certain things there was seed that was put down there was some existing yard that was sprayed day of we don't know what really died what didn't die etc so the rate may have also been a little higher than it should have been. At this point, I I have a question about grass that gets too thick. Yeah. And especially in terms of something like fescue, what is your experience with trying to remove some of that thickness? Um, I, I, here's what's happening right now. I feel like... I'm in my prime season, so I've done a little bit of fertilizer, but every fertilizer app makes it look good, but also at the same time, things just get more dense. And I'm already at a place where if I have any traffic out on the yard or something like that, like I walk around out there, it's just so plush and everything that it doesn't even stand back up. It's just a mess of things. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, I don't... Uh, here's Here's what I would say is I think it's okay to do that even on a bunch type grass like tall fescue. You know, it's not going to spread via rhizomes or stolons, obviously, but it will tiller, right? Mm-hmm. And, and push out additional tillers and kind of get dense that way. So if your seeding rate was high, do I think that's contributing to it? Probably a little bit, right? One seed equals one plant with bunch type grasses and there's a likelihood that you just did a fantastic job of growing it in and managing it to this point. And now here we are. So what do you do about it? Um, I think the only thing I would say is don't get super aggressive. Like don't be that guy that goes out there with the sun Joe or whatever detaching implement you want to use and just eviscerate the son of a bitch. Right? Like, yeah. I would be more like, hey, I need to manage this rather than I need to go out there and um, just, like I said, eviscerate shit. Well, and I may not do anything with it, really, honestly, because it is getting kind of in a later stage. But I was just, as a general hypothesis of if you're in this this type of situation, I know there's a lot of people who think, well, grass could never get too thick. Or I've oh, heard that's horseshit. And it's definitely something I've run into quite a few times, especially with the bluegrass that I had back there where 
it was like, I'm so tired of this being just too crazy matted together. If I were you, right, and we know all the free time that you have on your hands on a daily basis, yeah, right? it's a lot, yeah. It's, I mean, it's so much, you know, with all this YouTube fame that everybody talk, I, I know I hear about this life that you live from all these people that don't know anything about it, and mm-hmm. it sounds amazing. It really does. I hope that one day you're able to lead it for real. <laughs> yeah, I'd like that one. Well, yeah, wouldn't you? So can you go out and just try like a small section? Sure, yeah. Let's do that. Just do a video and say, hey, you know what? Uh, there's, uh, I, I, think, I don't know if I've referenced it on here. I know I have in other channels and, and whatnot. But uh, one of my favorite subreddits to go to is there's a, Reddit, a subreddit called Just Fuck My Shit Up. <laughs> and, it's, and it's about bad haircuts. It's all just people with the worst haircuts you can ever imagine. So wow. Was Connor want- on there? He could be. I don't know. Like he's he's definitely there was a period, there's a couple of periods in Connor's hair arc in the last 12 months that definitely could have been featured on Just Fuck My Shit Up. So I would say let's just go fuck some shit up. Like let's give it a haircut that you know might make it embarrassed look embarrassing looking for a little bit, but just see what happens, right? Live with it. You want hey, you're gonna have you know, some of that, some of that lawn looks pretty proper, and then you're going to have this little section over here that's like flock of seagulls, right? And you just got to go with it. Yeah, got to go with it. Well, because it would definitely have to be cut down a little bit too for me to kind of get through it with some you're, type of machine. But uh, you're talking. Let's let's just say, hey, what can I get done in like an hour? Just do that small of a section. It doesn't have to be huge. Yeah, I can do that. I just do that in like a rough cut video, like or something like that. Don't doesn't need to be the Oscar winning, you know, production capabilities that you have. Just, just this is the this is it's just got to be. Can I post this on just fuck my shit up and troll people? Right? Mm-hmm. People are gonna be like, dude, this dude's putting grass on here. Like, what's up? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I can handle something like that. I think I can do that. I'll buy you a couple. Uh, Premium grain Pre- belts. Premium, premium grain belts. The Absolutely. the cap on the top, it doesn't. It just says premium on it. If you had your druthers here, would you rather have it on draft or like in a bottle or in a can? Oh, I would, I would always have everything on draft. Really? Yep. Really, everything on draft. Everything. All right. Okay. It doesn't like me. I like the next day I'll be like, I should not have had that much keg beer and my head usually hurts, but I would still take it. I was going to say, it's like, that's, that's when you wake up the next day with cotton mouth just going. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. That's why Look I haven't that. had anything in my keg for like six months because there's a problem with kegs that, that there's no limiting factors. There's no can that empties, your glass just empties, and you're like, yeah, I'll walk over and I'll just pour a little bit more. But then it and all of a sudden fills up all the way and then you drink it and yeah. Um, okay, so I guess coming up here, uh, I'll be interested to hear about how the plots come in and you know what challenges you face you know, with the water situation. Real quick on that too, I know you had the well drilled and that was a very triumphant video. Um, mm-hmm. The... Uh, the uh, well drilling rig looked very phallic in that video. So I was kind of 
you know, hopefully you weren't rubbing people the wrong way there. <laughs> but anyhow, only um, you would be thinking about that. Me and like five other people, but yeah, I was the one who liked and subscribed and all that stuff. So the other people just don't know about you yet. Um, so what about the water situation out there? What do you have to work with currently? Um, well, that's a good question because ever since the well has been put in, I have not used it one bit yet, which will be starting tomorrow. But Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so everything was drilled, and then we had a good amount of water there, and they put a little hydrant in so that I can at least hook up something temporarily right now. And then uh, I came back the next weekend, and I noticed everything looked a little different. The soil looked kind of different, and I was like, what's going on? So I called the guy, and he was like, yeah, I had to come back out there and dig everything back up and move that hydrant one foot because the county didn't like what we did. It was it had to be at 10 feet, and we had it at 9. Are you kidding me? And he's like, they're being just assholes about it. So, Are you serious? They made a move at one foot? Yeah. So they had to redo that. And then um, right now I'm just going to be running everything off of a generator. So, Well, what you should tell him is that your friend Matt Martin said you're from Canada, so you went three meters and you know he didn't quite get to 10 feet so blame it on matt yeah it's all his fault i i should have i got confused i thought i was from canada Mm -hmm. so yeah thanks matt well that's interesting i'll be i'll be curious to see how that helps your cause and what you're able to do moving like moving stuff around with all the plots and everything like that and trying to figure out a system that works i think your above ground systems that you have always set up in your videos will work awesome Right, yeah, next year I'm thinking, you know, those plots are small enough that I should be able to do a really easy above ground type of setup with even maybe just PVC and kind of run everything in place above the ground and Totally. Yeah, it should be easy. What are you going to do in between all the plots? What are you going to put there? Uh I think you I think I asked you that question and you uh gave me the link to some kind of weed barrier fabric thing and then uh maybe cover that with something, I don't know. Oh, okay. I remember that now. Okay. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Other thing I thought, after the fact, ProVista. Well, that, yeah, that would be Because you can keep it clean. Mm-hmm. That would so be kind of interesting. Thought. Just a thought. So, uh, yeah, measure out. I'll be curious of what the takeoff is. If your whole area is, you said you got six plots. So there's 3,000 square feet there, but what the total area of like commons, common area are in between. So let's hook that up. Yeah, let's I did about, um, I think I did three to four feet in between each plot. Um, and then on the outside of them, I have, I seeded just a little bit of, uh, there's some general area that I seeded some fescue into. So there'll be some stuff on the back side of it. And then I have another section of ryegrass. And then we have a larger section of wildflowers that will be kind of the background that would be cool oh really cool when it's all said and done Mm -hmm. all right it's a tree nursery i'm I'm anxious to hear about that too hook that up find your tree nursery people that you can trust right now you're gonna be you know next thing you know you're gonna be selling bald and burlap trees online (laughs) through ryan ryan norlawncare.com you never you never know what can happen don't never never say never sir never say never Put that on. Put a UPS label on that and see if it makes it through. It's a little known fact, though. I have really been a tree nerd for a long time. I just don't know as much as I would like to, but I love like 
forest stuff and trees and everything. Yeah. It's it's an interesting discipline for sure. So yeah. we're gonna jump here into the mailbag. We didn't even know it was called the mailbag until RG just whatever you want to call it, mailbox, mailbag. No, I don't know. I think that's good, but I think what we need to do is we need to get some jingles going. So for next year, next season, I need to get a little better system here where I can play some different jingles and have some fun. One of my favorite podcasts I listen to a lot. They have a lot of stuff like that, and it just adds to the production value. I think we need it. You need a roadcaster with yep. all your all your yeah. Yeah. So let's let's jump into some questions here. I have oh, I don't know. I have I have a decent amount. So we'll try to keep this somewhat brief, but we'll try to go through a few things. And if for some reason I've actually talked about any of these questions, sometimes I have no idea if we talked about these or not. They're just on my notes. So uh let's just go through it. So first one, bought a house in Sault Ste. Marie. Michigan, mm. love that place, and yeah. uh, the lawn is a hundred percent weeds. Okay, I nice. plan to do a complete renovation in the fall. Very good idea. The soil is nearly one hundred percent sand. I was wondering if you talk about growing grass in sand this week. I love the show as much as Connor hates safety sallies. <laughs> thank yeah, you. you know, that's that. That might be accurate. So, well, thank you, thank you, sir. Um, growing grass and sand. Here's the long and short of it that you need to know, and this is greatly oversimplifying it. But um, you know, if you want to know more, definitely email in and ask more questions. But the um, biggest thing is that you're going to have to water with less volume, but more frequently. And also, same thing with fertilizer. You're going to have to fertilize more frequently, but with less overall pounds on the ground, right? So just take that into consideration when you do your lawn, when you're looking at recommendations of throwing out like, you know, lots and lots of water at first, or if you're uh, talking about uh, putting down big, huge applications of fertilizer, you know, either pre-plant or after you've got grass coming up and germinating, I would just be very, very uh, cognizant that that you're not over-applying or over-watering. So that'd be the biggest thing. Um, and, And last thing is, with you being in Sault Ste. Marie, you're probably in that same kind of uh, situation like we talked about at the top of the show with Miles and Fargo is that, you know, your growing season really yep. kind of hits peak in June and plateaus for about two months. And then you're kind of on the falling side of things. So a fall renovation probably for you needs to start in like mid-July, Yeah, you know, to, to really Got take it. advantage of the weather. They get a shit ton of snow there too. Oh, like yeah. A lot of snow. So yeah. So take that under advisement, but I'd be anxious to see. Send us some pictures, and if you got more questions, for sure, let us know. But if it's this fall that you're talking about, it's way too late. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, and another thing that I've seen that I know RD would be cringing about, but I've seen a couple comments from this recently of similar things from people who said, I have a really sandy yard, or I have a full sand yard. Can I just put like a bunch of compost on top of it? Or can I put a bunch of topsoil on top of that sand? And I'm like, mm, no, no. Can you? Can, can you? you? Yes. Should, Should you? you? No. No. Yeah. Just, just skip that. Embrace it. Compost on top I would maybe a little bit, like a little bit, but not a ton. So just, yeah, that's. Yeah. That's tough. Um, it's just learn how to grow grass a different way. That's all. So 
you know, typically you're seeing recommendations for soil and uh, fertilizer recommendations, maintenance, all that kind of stuff. You just, it's a different way of growing grass. That's all. And not what, what wildly would be different. your thought on this. And this is not a question that was in the mailbag, but incorporating, mm-hmm. let's say you did have a really sandy yard, but you were like, I don't really want to do that much watering all the time. I don't want to do the fertilizing all the time. Could you till in some other amendments or soil to kind of change that? You could. And being very, very uh, judicious with that, though, like don't think that if some is good, more is better, right? So, you know, if I was going to do something like that, you're talking like maybe 5% by volume, okay, 10% by volume max, right? So you do the math on something like that and you know, you need what, uh, you know, six tenths of an inch and six inches of, of till. Right. So that's not a lot of compost to put out. Um, but you got to make sure that you get a very, very even and homogenous till on that to move it completely through that volume of soil. Right. Like a lot of people I see do that they half ass so they go over it one time and like, Oh man, it's good. It's like, no, you really need to go over that with the kind of, you know, equipment that's available to homeowners. You're talking about going over that thing like six, eight, ten times easily. Okay. Next question is a topic I would be interested in hearing about is pre-germinating grass seed. Best way to do this, pros, cons, a good way to save water, question mark. I've heard Demay mention it in passing before, but would enjoy hearing more. So you've mentioned it in passing apparently. I have, and it can work with ryegrass. Um, I don't. Uh, it it could work with tall fescue. I've never tried it with tall fescue, and bluegrass. It's kind of not worth it, uh, at least in my opinion. So with ryegrass, you can pre-germ. Basically, what you want to do the the dumbed down way of doing it is get yourself a container, um, like a big Rubbermaid tote or something like that, and you can either put the bag, you know, break down your 50 pound bag in a smaller bag, just as long as it's got holes in it. Right. And you can drain the water out of it, but you want to soak that grass basically for 24 hours, change your water out after 12, you know, of each time, pull that grass out, spread it out on the ground, let it dry just a little bit. And then you want to mix it up with like milorganite or something like that. You know, something that's got a very low analysis so you can still spread it through a regular spreader and then go ahead and put it out there and you'll catch, you know, two or three or four days quicker. So um, it can be a very useful tool. It, on the uh, Pro Turf Talks Discord server, there's a guy named Spin Martin, Michael Spin Martin, who's a former NFL groundskeeper. And he's got a fantastic video on there of him showing how to do it. I love his video because it, anybody can use it if you're a pro or a homeowner. So I would check that out again. We'll see if we can link that up in the show notes. I think he's got it on like Instagram or something as well. Michael Spin Martin. Okay. This one could get quite deep in the weeds here. But oh, boy. We're going to go with it, and we'll just try to keep this brief. But uh, this one is a lot of buzzwords going around, like biochar, carbon, soil structure. Are these amendments beneficial or necessary to have a great soil biome are humix and this type of thing needed? Thanks, guys. Love the show. Elite RK turf type telefescue is germinating in my yard as I write this. This is in Nashville. So. Are they needed? Well, that's a very loaded question. I don't know that they're needed, right? And uh, so it's really, I'm glad that he phrased it 
soil biome uh, and not necessarily plant because the plant has plenty of carbon in it already. So we're not necessarily supplying the plant with carbon. We're supplying uh, the soil with carbon. And so here's my take is that from a soil chemical standpoint, are there benefits to doing it in some situations, right? Um, I could see it being beneficial. Soils that are very low in organic material, right? So like a lot of times, you know, Brian, you've mentioned it many times that, um, you know, we get some new homes that are built and they strip off all the topsoil and the development, they go to put it back and they do a terrible job of redistributing topsoil over the entire site. So in situations like that, where you've got, you know, just barren soil that's devoid of, you know, a lot of um, the stuff that was in the, you know, the existing topsoil that was above it at one point, then I can see there being, you know, a need to do that. Um, as far as, you know, soil structure and what can it provide? So, you know, you got to figure that every 1% of organic material in the soil is going to hold about, um, oh, a, a little over half a gallon of water per, per square foot. Okay. So if we, if we know that we can have too much, right? We can absolutely have too much. And it becomes an issue um, of nitrogen utilization in the soil and some other things. If we have too much carbon. And so, you know, people talk about, you know, this is mentioning like biochar and humic acid and things like that. Again, the situation I described with barren soil, absolutely from a structural standpoint, there's mixed results, right? On yep. what those things can do, you know, from a research that's been researched, right? Actually researched, not empirical or anecdotal evidence, but actual research. And that's what I go by, right? Is what are these things able to do in soil um, that doesn't really need it, right? And when I say that, like, especially older lawns, more established lawns, things like that, I'm not sure that you're going to see any kind of true benefit out of these things. And it's likely coming from something else in the product. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely a, I mean, we could probably go mm-hmm. off on a tangent on on that one into sure. a lot of things. And there's a lot of different approaches to to lawn stuff. Some people want a really low maintenance thing or they want, you know, they want most of their, like, let's say a Midwest soil like mine. Like I could think there's so much organic matter in there that to be honest, like I could probably get by not doing a whole lot to it like my neighbors. And uh, you might have something that still somewhat looks decent a few times a year just because of the soil structure, what you have there. So there's a lot of different approaches and a lot of different ways to go about things. But um, that's an interesting question for sure. Something we could really go yeah. way deep into if we wanted, but no doubt. And like I said, it's just situational. So, you know, give us more information on your soil and your situation and we can give you a better recommendation. Yep. This next question is actually one that I've seen a couple times that I just pulled from a few YouTube comments, but, um, mm-hmm. soil compaction, Let's say you've got an area, and actually, I have a pretty good example of this in my yard, too. So when we built our new deck, uh, there's a couple spots where we were just doing most of the work, like, you know, cutting cutting the board, standing on the yard in one spot, and also walking off of the deck in one certain spot, like, all the time. So there's a couple of spots there where that are a little bit compacted, or let's say you have just a walkway or pathway in your yard, what are some things that people could look at if they notice one specific area where 
obviously it's struggling because of compaction. Um, just some, some sort of remedies or things like that. How, how, uh, aggressive do you want to get? That's my first question. Well, I would say everything is on the table. Ooh, don't bait the trap with that. You're going to catch me in it every time. <laughs> be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. Yeah, I can hear the cheerleaders in the background B- right now. E-A-G-G. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, we're, we're absolute fucking nerds. But R-E-S-S-I-V-E. Okay. Yes. Be aggressive. Okay. <laughs> so uh, a few things. Somebody asked a question about this on a, uh, a show I did with Matt and Ray recently. So a few things I would say is, you know, you're never going to go wrong pulling cores in those areas, right? So if you don't have access to a machine, you know, the old hand ones, I'm, I mean, I, I don't use those, but I could see those being beneficial in very small areas, right, where you don't want to have to pull a machine out. So something like that's going to help out. Um, the other thing, too, I would say is, you know, trying to limit those areas. I mean, another thing you can do is just change the aesthetic, right? And it's a often used path, you know, putting some stones down, you know, like you'll see the stepping path or something like that. That's totally fine to do. Uh, the last piece is, you know, using those verification holes and just doing what I would call solid tines, right? Or what, what are, con, you know, considered solid tines. And then top dressing and backfilling with a product um, that's made by Profile Products. It's called Field and Fairway. I don't rep these guys. I don't have any link to them or their company whatsoever. I'm just telling you what I know works. So the idea behind this product is it is a it's the same stuff, and this is how I referenced it on the show with Matt and Ray. Is that it's the same stuff that goes on the uh, infield skin of a baseball field. So like when you're watching the Twins. When you see that like reddish brown color on the dirt, it's actually not the dirt. It's this conditioner that is uh, made from a material called calcine clay. And all it is is a very specific type of clay that's heated and fired to about 1200 degrees for a couple hours. And when you look at it under a microscope, it looks like popcorn. And they've got different gradations of it. So like the stuff on the baseball field is much more coarse, right? More like uh, the big fertilizer that we use on yards. And then the smaller stuff, that we would use in verification holes is more like greens grade type stuff. So smaller prills, more consistent and more uniform. So by using this stuff, um, what it does, like I said, it looks like popcorn or a microscope. It holds its own weight in water. And so like soil can't do that, you know, from a, uh, whether you're talking about organic material or uh, sand silt clay, those, those particles simply can't do that. They don't hold water, right? They hold water around them, you know, through uh, ionic bonds, but they don't, actually do anything to hold water there right so um so these products do and they can provide compaction like the other thing that they do is that they have a very light bulk density so in areas where we have compaction right the number one thing that we can do to measure that is take bulk density so the bulk density is the weight of a given volume of soil so typically this is expressed in grams of soil per cubic centimeter okay so the more you know, if I have a, a very fine textured soil like clay soil or like silty clay soil, I can take that and smush it with my fingers and I can get more in there, right? In that given, you know, uh, cubic centimeter because I'm compacting it and compressing it. I could put more in there and compress it and still have the same volume of soil. So the weight or the mass of that is higher, right? As I compress it more and more and more and can put more and more in there versus like a sand. If you try and do that, you can't because it won't compact right the the pearl size of it don't allow it to compact 
So this stuff has, you know, big enough uh, particle size that it doesn't allow it to do that. And it also holds its weight in water. So it's very effective in terms of lowering bulk density. It's a very light product. So that helps out with compaction. Also helps with some of the water holding capacity stuff too. So long story short, Field and Fairway, check it out. You should be able to buy it at uh, most of the local golf course or sports turf uh, supply houses, probably in the, I would say 20 to $25 a bag range. Okay. That's something I didn't, I didn't know. So very interesting. Boom. You're just full of it. RD. Full of something. New stuff all the time. All right. Um, this was a question. When can you add iron or let's say micronutrients in general to your new lawn? Let's say, you know, you've seeded it, it's grown in and you're two to three weeks in something like that. You're starting to see it. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the show today. You're, you're starting to want to go kind of crazy like, oh, I should start pushing this thing. Uh, what's the strategy there with some of the, you can talk about fertilizer too, if you'd like, but a general new lawn fertilizer, micronutrients, what's, what's the type of plan there? Uh, so let's talk about micronutrients first. You know, if I've done a soil test leading into it, which I should have to do, uh, you know, renovation, unless I'm seeing something that's wildly off the charts, super low, right. That's going to be a limiting factor. I'm not really worried about micronutrients at that point. Right. Um, very, very, very limited evidence to, to suggest that any of those are going to be of any benefit. You know, there's some work out there that zinc will help your seed pop a little bit sooner, things like that, but it's very circumstantial in terms of what the research has shown. So I wouldn't be um, super concerned or in a big hurry to go out and put micronutrients and specifically iron on this stuff. Like I think this one thing. too was a little bit more about trying to transition the color maybe a little faster or something like yeah, that. Yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. Don't worry about that. You know, just just let it go. I would be more worried at that point about, you know, your uh nitrogen management. And I know we've talked about this before, you know, last year on the YouTube videos and things like that of how to manage um you know, nitrogen through a grow-in in particular. And in this case, like, let's just say that you've got grass, like what you said, you, you got grass that's, you know, three weeks in the ground. It's coming up pretty good is at that point, you know, if I'm looking at it, I'm either going to press the easy button and put something out that is a little bit more slow release and let nature take its course in terms of uh, temperature and uh, moisture, right? Or uh, if I want to get really, really, uh, labor intensive, then I'm going to go with very light rates, you know, so quarter to, you know, a third of a pound of nitrogen every, you know, 10 to 14 days and just try to bump it along. You know, some of the the pitfalls and perils there are now, if you're, you know, you're probably at three weeks, you're probably starting to back down your water a little bit, but you're still having to water, you know, a decent amount through the day. And if that's the case, then, um, you're going to have to dry this thing out enough to get a spreader on there and do what you need to do. And if you're doing this every 10 to 14 days, that might turn out to be kind of a pain in the ass. So I'm not advocating for one approach or the other. I'm just saying, I kind of like the, to pick your poison. I kind of like the spraying method too. Like, uh, Oh yeah. If, really you're, if you're into low that. rates of, you know, something that's kind of what I'm going to be going after. Cause I'm at close to three weeks. And so I'm going to be probably doing some, uh, low rates of, 
liquids there to kind of just slowly push things along, not too crazy, but. Mm. Yeah. But they, you know, what I would say there is just that um, you can go liquid, you can go granular, whatever, but the whole thing is to be measured, right? To not right. feel like you need to push it so far so fast or feel like, oh man, I've got, you know, awesome weather. I really need to go ahead and try and get this stuff to fill in or anything like that. Like, especially when it's that immature, it's just, it's not going to work. Right. So, you know, let nature take its course. And then, you know, certainly at some point you got to know when to, you know, go back in if there's areas that haven't taken, you know, do some overseeding things of that nature. But, you know, from the standpoint of nitrogen, right. If you want to go easy is, you know, pick a slow release. We're talking one, maybe two apps, let it ride. Maybe you have to do some overseeding the following year. Or if you want to be more aggressive, you're talking about like what Ryan said, you know, so spraying very low rates of liquid stuff or coming back with granular income whatever every, you know, 10 to 14 days. I don't like the easy route. You know that. I trust me. Trust me. Listen, I know that you don't want to do that. So <laughs> you should try it sometime though, just to compare like if, what if you found that out? Like what if you put out like the easy button treatment and you looked at them side by side and you couldn't tell the difference? Uh, I mean, it's that, definitely- would that make you feel- it's definitely it possible. No, I mean, for me, I think it's because of my low cut turf stuff where I just feel like the whole slow release and just letting it ride type of deal. I, I don't know, just mentally, I'm like, it doesn't fit with my program in terms of how I manage things there. But I think if it were on a more normal, situ- quote unquote, normal situation, I think I would be totally fine with that approach. Hmm. Like a little taller, you know, where you're just, uh, let it go out there, let it release how it does. And I like to be more in control of the low cut. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But I'm just saying, like, what if it was the same? It definitely could be. You, I mean, it's the last thing I'll say on this is that, you know, at some point, not now, not yet, but at some point, you'll be to that point with the, um, with the new property because, right? Of scale, right? You're just going to kind of have time to do this. So I'll be interested to see like once we get scaled up to the point on the new place that you've got the, you know, the really highly and intensively maintained areas, but then you also have these areas that you still want to be nice, but they're on a different program, right? And how close can we come? For sure. How close can we come? Yeah. There's going to be a lot of areas like that, to be honest. I think (laughs) that most of it is going to be much more low maintenance for me because yeah, with the way things are going right now, and I don't have any time, I don't. I can't even imagine how it's going to be when I'm doing ten thousand other things on top of it. It's the magic turf kingdom, man. It's where dreams are made. Yeah. Can't this wait. Uh, next question says came in on Instagram today. Actually, it said, "Here's a question to ask RD: How do you reduce high sodium in the soil on a golf course or a professional turf situation?" High sodium. So, you know, sodium is probably coming from your water source at that point, Mm -hmm. right? So you're depositing that water. So there's a few things that you can do. Um, A lot of places will do gypsum, right? Use gypsum and flush through, right? So when I say flush through is like um, we apply gypsum and that's going to um, basically, for lack of a better term, flocculate the um, sodium down through the soil. When we do that, though, we're running 
heads on like putting greens, for example, for a long time. When I say a long time, it's like we're puddling water on the green because what we want to do when I say a flush, you know, especially if we've got USGA greens that have drainage but have a perched water table in them, if we fill that up like a bathtub, as soon as we take the water away, the vacuum of air pushes all the water from the top of the green down through the profile, through the gravel layer, into the pipes below. And in, that, in doing that, we should flush through the majority of our sodium. So it's definitely something that, you know, courses in the desert, you know, like Las Vegas, for example, a lot of those are using what they call gray water, right? Which is partially treated water that's usually high. That's sewage water, essentially. They take all the harmful bacteria out of it. It's high in sodium a lot of times, and they're using that to irrigate. Um Sports fields, I'm not, I mean, I'm sure they exist. I don't know of any that have major issues with that, you know, at, um, at the highest level, because typically um, those folks are doing a few different things that can mitigate that, right? Number one is that typically they're going to be using uh, domestic water sources, right? So they shouldn't have too high of sodium in those domestic water sources, number one, because that's regulated by EPA. Um, the other thing that they'll do sometimes too, if they do have, uh, high levels of bicarbonates and other salts in there is that they will go ahead and inject acid into that. So typically uh, they'll have a sulfuric acid burner that sits there right next to the irrigation in line, injects that into, um, the irrigation water and buffers that water. Okay. So definitely get into some serious coin doing that. Right. Uh, last thing is there are some products out there. Um, Eximo is one. I can't remember who it's made by now. I think it's uh, Sigma Organics out of uh, Nashville. But Eximo is a good product. It's an acid product that's meant to basically take the place of if you don't have an acid injection system on your uh, irrigation system, you can use this in place of that and it will help flush salts. Uh, we also uh, have one with lawn supply. It's called Fixer. So there you go. Key point in the whole question right there. <laughs> Key point. Uh, yeah, that the water thing reminds me that I need to do a test on my uh, water coming out of the well. As, so ooh, yeah, should be about forty, fifty bucks. Definitely worth the worth the investment there. Yep. Last question here is kind of about what happens before winter and this specific situation is this guy renovated his lawn this year using sod he said he noticed a few spots that were growing amazingly well but there's a few also bare areas um i'm assuming or he said i'm worried about the upcoming winter and how to manage the lawn before i get to that point he is in the pacific northwest so he's worried about the few bare areas that he has. And what's I think he's just trying this. to get a plan before it goes. You know, Pacific Northwest maybe won't ever go completely like to yeah. sleep like we do, but yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really slow. Um, okay, so a couple of things I would do is identify why these areas are struggling, right? Is it an irrigation issue? Is it a soil issue? What, you know, maybe just your seed washed, you didn't get a good catch in those areas, whatever the case might be. But try to identify that issue so you don't, you know, beat your head in the wall and run into the same issue again. Number one, number two, be proactive. Like, you know, I think in this case, uh, don't get paralysis by analysis. Try to figure out what you can as quickly as you can. Seed is 
still, even with price increases, relatively cheap. He, go had, ahead and oversee- uh, he had sod. So oh, he had sod. I'm sod. sorry. I'm sorry. Yep. Yep. I missed that part. So he has areas that aren't that are like dying dead. Yeah, I think he said in there that he thought maybe some of them were getting too much water in some of the some of the spots that were. I don't know if it was a fungus issue. I don't know if it's a... Yeah, that's weird. I don't know yeah. that... I've, I mean, okay. Well, if that's the case, I mean, I don't know You know what the square footage of this is or whatever, but uh, I would give it some time. You know, even if, it, even if Saad, I've seen Saad look beyond the verge of death, RK, and come back and look just fine. You know, so I would give it a little bit of time here, see how it looks, and then if that's the case... Um, I'm just gonna sod it out, man. I wish I, you know, I thought that we were. I thought we were really gonna get down deep, and we could like, <laughs> gosh, it's so boring when it's sod, isn't it? Like, I would like to do some sod actually at my next place, not the full area, just as a test, because I don't ever have a chance to really work on anything like that. It. I mean, I, I'm trying to. Um, I feel like for you, it would be like. It would be kind of boring want, for me. It would no. It would be like I want to buy a Tesla because it's cool and it's hip, and then like you figure out the autopilot and you like be driving it one day on the freeway with the autopilot on, and you'd be like, "This is fucking boring." <laughs> I just want to drive the car. Like, you know, where's my green Chevy? I just want to drive that and like have the left blinker not work, and you know, I don't want the car to tell me like what to do next or that there's you know an obstacle ahead. I want to avoid the obstacle myself, right? Well, I and I would, for me. I would say for me, I mean, I don't know how I would replicate this. Maybe I could somehow, but the unfortunate thing would be, I think most people that are struggling with sod are in that exact situation that you were talking about earlier where they have shit soil and then they get sod put on top of yeah. that. And then they're like, well, this sucks. But for me, I would be putting the sod on my soil, native soil out at the property, which is not in bad condition and so I don't think it would honestly be that difficult to grow in. Mm, yeah. Maybe the, maybe this is a good test case. Ooh. Oh. Let's set this up, right? Let's get make it near the well so you can irrigate it and don't like make it really hard on yourself. But just get some like dog shit soil, right? And put that next to like, you know, just go get yourself like a small dump truck, you know, like a three ton load of good blended topsoil from the local topsoil place, mm-hmm. throw that down, right? Pow it a sod and lay it out over top and let's see what happens, right? Over the course of the year, do this in like April of next year or something like that. Okay. You know, typical, uh, again, this is what you, you have <laughs> the entire lawn subreddit of just fuck my shit up. I, I can't, have, I, I, I can't I have the wait. world at my fingertips. I can just, do whatever I would like to do. Like, you know, when all these turf researchers sit there and eat edibles and smoke pot and they're like, man, we should get some like shitty soil and put sod on top of it. And they're like, man, we could never do that though. You can't do that. (laughs) You can't get that published. There's no way. I know someone that could. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Noor and his 245,000 subscribers or whatever it is now are probably like, I just want to see what happens. That, that, remember that uh, that movie Private Parts about Howard Stern? Yeah, and they're and they're talking about um, there's pig vomit. His boss Paul Giamatti and the guys walking through the office with him. He says, 
the average Stern listener listens for like 37 minutes, right? Number one reason they do, they want to hear what he'll say next. The average Stern hater watches for, or listens for two hours and 48 minutes. Number one reason, they want to see what he'll say next. This is you. This is your viewer base, Ryan. They just want to see what cockamamie, weird-ass idea that you're going to do next out yeah. on the Moore Family Turf Farm. Well, just wait, because I am definitely doing Bermuda next summer. There's no doubt about it. I can't wait. No can't doubt about wait. it. wait. We need to find a sand source close to your place so we can do it on sand, because... Doing it on soil is a pain in the dick. No, I, I saved a bunch of sand from my just uh, current overseeding that I might be able to use, but we'll see. When it, is a dump truck on your list of things to buy yet? God, you're just adding so much stuff all the time. We need a spreadsheet. No, I'm really getting do. a dump trailer though. I am getting a dump trailer. Ooh, yeah, a nice dump trailer. Probably, yeah, probably run you, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand. Totally worth it, and you can look it up to the Ram. Take it anywhere you want. Well, I I did. This is not disclosed yet, but I did get a diesel truck. So there you go. What? What? Yep. You got rid of the Ram. Well, I got another Ram, but so you got rid of the old Ram, though. the original Ram, the OG Ram is gone. The OG Ram is gone. Why did you not auction that off of like a Ryan Nor replica or, or game <laughs> game Sign- use Dale Earnhardt signed edition? Yeah, like. RK farted in this truck. Like there's been key, there's Keystone farts all over this seat right now. No, it's People, a nice thing it, about Keystone. It's just it doesn't do what draft beer does to you. It really doesn't. I will tell you, like it is, um, you know, it'll get you drunk. No, no doubt about it. But it is like one of the lowest impact beers to your overall health. Like I feel like I'm doing like a smoking commercial in the 50s right now. Like oh. <laughs> It's good for your body. You're a growing boy. You need to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day. You know, you know somebody right now, Bob's probably listening to this and saying, man, can these guys do one for me where they say, yeah, you know, the key to my health is a 30 rack a week. <laughs> we, we could. Maybe mental health, right? Yeah. You know, spirit, spiritual health, but probably not physical health, but that's neither here nor there, right? They call them empty calories, but I'll tell you what, I don't feel empty when I'm drinking it. So no. thank you, Keystone. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, just continuing to fuel us for these episodes. And uh, Absolutely. Hey, it was, it was a long one, but it was a fun one for sure. Yep. I think we got a, a few questions answered, but please, if you guys have some more questions going into that dreaded thing we won't talk about that happens at the end of the season, um, that's coming up soon. I don't, te- I don't necessarily mind it personally, but it does kind of linger on for a while and then there's a definitely a long time before you can mow again. That's a, that's a bad thing. Didn't I hear, did I, did I hear correctly that you might not be staying there all winter, that you might go somewhere else? There, there has been some talk of that. So I don't know. Hey, just give you a lawn to mow and I think you'll be happy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not St. Augustine. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't subject yourself to that. Goodness. (laughs) goodness. No, that's awful. All right. Hey, RK, it was good catching up, right? We'll get back on here another few weeks. See how the the old, uh, it's just my name for it. I keep calling it, but but he hasn't named it. I've just named it for him of the Noor Family Turf Farms. Um, I'm anxious to see what that's doing. Hopefully, um, I don't know. I'm kind of in a lull between like... uh, summer slash fall projects and getting gearing up for winter projects and next year stuff. So 
hopefully I've got some cool stuff to talk about here of uh, what's coming up because I think next year is going to be. Well, yeah, I, d- I don't want to, you know, make this too much longer than it is. But when you say winter projects, what what would that be for you in terms of uh, some stuff here coming up for winter? So a lot of my winter projects center around um, training of staff and or like organizational management things. So like uh, we're getting ready to do a thing with a big, massive public school district right now where um, building out like maintenance standards for how they want to maintain their fields and really like all their all their grounds and everything like that. So it's like this cross departmental, like we're bringing in people from their administration and building principals and custodians and grounds people and athletic directors. Like it's, it's a big deal. So we bring all those people together and inter- and talk to them separately and try to put this all together form of, Hey, you want this field to look like this and play like this. So what do you need to do to get it there? So, well, you need to mow it three times a week and you need to be on a PGR program and you need to aerify it at this time and this time. And here's, you know, the basic, Got it. Um, training type stuff. Training type stuff. Training type stuff. And yep. then, yeah, we do the training stuff with um, ground staff too. So a lot of guys that want to get their pesticide license and we'll do like the, you know, we'll do classes for them and stuff like that. So it's fun. Um, keeps me out. Keeps me on my toes. Not just like you said, sitting around here and not doing anything at all. Yeah. No, the winter time is, is uh, it's a tough one for me because I'm just so used to the rest of the year being so busy and so outside and doing all, and all of a sudden you get stuck into just can't do a lot of that stuff that you're normally doing. And it's, it's a weird deal, but you know what? You might create a a movement here if you do this, but you know, you need, maybe you can be, you know, there's snowbirds, right. That like, you know, fly the cooping. You can be a lawn bird. I could. You just do a, I could do a traveling tour during the winter or something. You absolutely, oh, absolutely. I mean, start in like uh, Southern California and just make your way all the way over to Florida over the period of like four weeks or five weeks and hang out in Florida for a little while and then head back up and heck, it'll be 50 degrees when you get back to Iowa. I like that still, idea. Still out in rain, but you know, that's, that's your own tough yeah. shit. Man. I can't, I can't help you there. Yeah. Who cares, right? <laughs> It's only grass. We can just grow it again next fall. Yep. Who cares? So, all right, RK, it was fantastic talking to you this evening, sir. Fantastic talking to you. Thank you all for listening again. Like I said, if you have some kind of end of year questions coming up, let us know. But we will try to be back. I, I don't know. We always say this, but actually things may slow down just a touch for me after I've got all these plots done and all my seating done and all that. So I'd like to be back chatting with URD sooner rather than later. A couple more through three, four weeks. We'll see you soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. Take care. Later.